Welcome to the Financial MD Show. This is the only podcast designed specifically for residents and young physicians to help you become educated on financial planning for physicians and avoid many of the common financial mistakes doctors make. Your hosts, John and Trevor, explore a different topic with each episode. John Salitro is a financial planner and certified financial education instructor. He's been working with young physicians for the better part of a decade and lectures to graduate medical programs around the country. Dr. Trevor Smith is a board-certified ophthalmologist with a full-time practice, and he has learned the ins and outs firsthand, what it takes to make smart financial decisions as a young physician. And now, here's your hosts, John and Trevor. Hey everyone, welcome to the eighth episode of the Financial MD Show. Hope you've been having a good time listening through all the episodes and learning stuff. Uh, Today we've got a fan favorite. This is a highly requested topic, both through uh, emails and correspondence and after getting requests on podcast topics, as well as just getting straight up questions in the webinars and lectures and things that we do. Disability insurance is what we're talking about today, um, which is great because uh, I'm knowledgeable on it, Trevor's knowledgeable on it, and we've had some good and bad experiences. Um, but this is there's a lot of mixed information out there, and uh, we hope to straighten some of that out today. So um, we'll give you some tips on how to buy it, how to shop for it, what to look for, what not to do. And uh, ultimately, how do you feel like you've done well and just protect your uh, your finances? So without further ado, here's today's show. Obviously, there is uh, a lot to talk about when it comes to disability insurance, um, huge topic of conversation when we do our workshops uh, all the time disability insurance comes up almost without fail and uh, rightly so I think as financial planners and at financial MD here we're obviously big believers that that's a big part of a financial plan but today I wanted us to riff a little bit on let's talk about shady insurance agents or shady insurance practices a little bit and what to do if you're just flat out, I don't want to necessarily uh, pick this one person to help me find my options. Uh, I'm just going to go around, educate myself, and figure out which route to go to get disability insurance. So, Trevor, that's who we're talking to today. Um, <clears throat> I think you've, part of the reason that we met is, I think you did that more than anybody else that I <laughs> had known up to that point or residents anyway, as far as taking initiative, getting to know the disability insurance world and saying, uh, I'm going to go figure this out. So uh, let's start with that. Give me some background on what you do when you decided I need to get disability insurance or how did that whole process even start? That's a good question. Um <clears throat> When did I first look at it? I think I looked it up in, in medical school and yeah. I I misunderstood and thought that I couldn't get it at the time because I didn't have income yet. Okay. Um, so I waited until residency, which was a bummer. Um, I think I mentioned before that uh, from lots of studying, of course, occasionally your, your neck gets a little sore, right? You're looking yeah. down all the time or whatever you're just reading and you didn't take a break because it was a lot, you know, an exam was several hours or whatever. 
for whatever reason, I was like, man, this is, I should like, you know, I, I'm learning about how great medicine is and how it can really help us. And I, I want to be a good, you know, healthy person as a medical student. So I'm like, yeah. you know what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And you're really, you know, you do kind of get a little inspired. You're like, you know, I'm going to take care of myself. So I'm like, I'm going to pop over to the, the, uh, university health service and get a it's free visit. I'm going to pop over there, talk to a doc. They have um, physical therapists there and they have PM&R docs. And mm-hmm. so I made an appointment with PM&R. I was just like, yeah, this part's, you know, always getting kind of tight on this side. Yeah. I'm, I'm right-handed. Um, so yeah, like with the mouse and the computer or whatever, or like reading books, you know, maybe I'm just like getting some strain or something. And so I got a physical therapist and then I was like working on some stretches and stuff and strengthening exercises. Anyways, by the time I applied for disability insurance, uh, the disability companies did not like that, uh, that I had went to the doctor once for neck soreness. Yeah. So spine exclusion was, uh, one of the, I don't think they call it a rider. I guess it's called an exclusion exclusion, when, uh, when you have a medical issue, pre-existing medical issue, it's not like health insurance where they're not allowed to add those. It's actually the entire industry of insurance is, is based around excluding people that are going to be potentially more expensive. So that's how they're profitable. Yeah. And they, they have, they have to do that. Um, you know, people yeah. with more problems seek insurance more often. Um, and what do they call that Trevor? Selective. What do they call it? Um, I was actually just adverse thinking, selection. that's it. Adverse selection. That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I get, I got that once, once or twice from a resident who like was surprised, like, wait, what? They can exclude stuff. I thought, I thought they had to you're right. you know, cover everything. Yeah. For, for health insurance, that. fortunately, that was one of those good Obamacare things. Actually, I, I don't know anyone that disagrees with that. Um, yeah. imagine if you can do that for like your actual health insurance. It's terrifying. But for mm-hmm. disability, they're, they're just paying for your income. It's your, your income. Uh, stability insurance, your guaranteed income. Anyway, so I had that exclusion for a while. I was blown mm-hmm. away that, uh, you know, I would potentially have to pay more and get less out of it simply because it didn't apply earlier before yeah. just a, a stupid doctor visit. So I had to wait two years, reapply, do the full medical underwriting again, got it removed because they can let you reapply later. Um, you keep the policy just in case something else happens. And then when nothing happens, you, especially in that specific exclusion, they'll take it off for you. Mm-hmm. So going through that process, I was like, this is crazy. I didn't understand. I would ask lots of other people, Hey, like what do you have a disability? Nobody had it. Nobody had it. Uh, I told friends about, you know, wow, you know, this is my experience. It was difficult. And, and you're in residency at this point or still I was in residency. Point? Yeah. Okay. And they were just like, okay, yeah, I'll do with it later. You know, pretty much the standard response. I was mm-hmm. like, no, you don't understand. They're like, well, maybe next week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if I, sometimes it's usually not like, uh, it's not a big deal. It's more like I acknowledge that that's an issue and I will put it off. <laughs> yes, I will definitely put that on my to-do list. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I will definitely <laughs> ignore that for a while and then I will get back to it later. Right. Yeah. So for me, I was like so inspired that I was like, hmm. And I realized that, you know, part of the cost of signing up goes to an agent. And I was like, hmm, you know, I'm already thinking like, ooh, I wonder if I could make this into a little side gig during residency. Because I wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to moonlight. Mm-hmm. That was the motivating factor. If I could have moon, uh, done some moonlighting, then 
then uh, I probably would have just done that because, you know, like radiology residents, they make great money, like hanging out by the MRI in the middle of the night, oh, yeah. which I don't understand, but I was, I would have been happy to sit by an MRI machine as an ophthalmology resident, but, Heck yeah. uh, so, so yeah, anyways, I got, I got really into the whole insurance and then, um, applied for my license and took the test and everything because of that difficulty. And I wanted to help mm-hmm. friends, family, whomever to protect their income in case they get sick. And, you know, people mm-hmm. talk about accidents, but we know that, uh, sickness, disease, um, ailments are really the main thing that cause people to be disabled and lose their income. Mm-hmm. Um, just they're way more likely than, than traumas and accidents, even though those happen a fair bit in young people as well. Yeah. So, uh, I may have gotten a little off track there, but that's kind of like how I got interested in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how did I go about actually getting it? I think I just yeah. went right to a white coat investor and then yeah. I looked and then I closed my eyes and I, I picked a random advertisement pretty much. Yep. Yep. Uh, I picked the one that sounded the nicest. I went with, uh, okay. we talked about that set for life, um, yep. which was nice. It ended up just being, I think one phone call and then a lot of emails and then a phone call with the insurance company to talk about okay. any medical issues. The health more you have, thing. the longer it is, or the more That's OCD true. you are about describing the details, the longer it takes. Oh, yeah, Another reason that. to do it sooner, because then you have a shorter phone call. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then another phone call with, uh, or maybe she just delivered, you have to deliver the final insurance thing as an insurance salesperson. I think she just sent okay. it via email and then a DocuSign or something. Yeah. So it wasn't too bad. It, it was pretty easy. Um, I'd say I didn't exactly know what, what I was getting. That's probably mm-hmm. like a nice thing to figure out from. She was an independent agent as well. But, you know, online stuff is nice. It's convenient. But you don't, yep. it's not quite the same level of personal trust and um, assurance that I probably would have appreciated and yeah. that I didn't really understand the riders and it's not really in the insurance agents. Um, they're not incentivized really to make sure you understand. They're kind of incentivized to get on the next call or write the next email. Yep. Um, so having good materials that describe the different riders and the pros and cons and things like that would have been kind of nice. Um, mm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of riders, depending on which company you, you're with. Yeah, catastrophic right. is a, kind of a big main one. Um, yeah, how do you feel I, about catastrophic? <clears throat> Any thoughts on yeah, so whether that makes just, sense or not, or it's kind of a gimmick? Yeah. I uh, So first, I'll just say, like, for disability insurance, the main thing, just for anybody that doesn't know a lot about it, which is probably most people, um, mm-hmm. it basically guarantees a certain percentage of your income even if, if you get disabled with certain qualifying conditions. Yeah. Um, so if I can't work and depends on the company, some of the verbiage on this, some are a little more open, a little more strict. Um, if I can't work, then I get paid. Usually it's somewhere around 65% or, or so of what my income is um, when I verified it. And then there's certain rights. Like yeah. So if I make, if I make a hundred thousand dollars, actually even with like principal and um, guardian yeah. in them, because doctors make so much, they start to cap it out. So like, yeah, if you make 80 yes. grand, they'll probably cover you up to pretty close to 80 grand. If yep. you make 
350,000, they'll probably cover you for 65% or so up mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe like 8,000 a month, 10,000 a month, mm-hmm. because like, you know, even with a lot of bills and stuff, they know you can probably get by with eight to 10,000 a month in income. Mm-hmm. Um, and the upside for covering more of it isn't that high for them. Um, in the event you get injured, it's like outweighing injury and we pay him $20,000 a month. Uh, and then we charge him like, you know, $300 a month. And then we maybe make a little bit extra. It's just, I don't think it probably bears out the risk reward for them. So anyways, you end up making or getting like 65% and then they figure out like what things you can do with the policy. So those are called riders. So one is like own occupation that's made uh, famous and clear by a white coat investor. I think pretty well. Uh, Doctors should have that one because uh, you don't want to get injured and have the verbiage of your contract say, if you're injured, but can still work at McDonald's, then we don't have to pay you. And the own occupation, when you have that slapped onto your policy means that you, um, if you, even if you can work in other capacities, if you can't work in your original capacity, like if I'm an eye doctor and I can no longer do eye surgery and work in the Mm -hmm. office and use the machines, um, then I get paid even if I could work at McDonald's. Yep. So that's like one of the so key. Even if you do go do something else, as long as it is something else, truly, you'll still yeah. get your benefit. That's right. So if I become, um, yeah, an insurance salesman or something, then yeah, I can get mm-hmm. the same. I can get the benefit from the first job. Uh, what's what are the other main riders? So we we're just talking about catastrophic. So one of the other big ones. Yeah. Oh, before catastrophic, the um, guaranteed future increase option. Yeah, future in- increase or guaranteed benefit update rider is what yep. principal I think calls it. Yes. Uh, basically, like if you get a pretty good increase in your income, it can't be like teeny tiny little steps. Every yeah. so often, but every like year. Residency to attending. Yeah. Every couple years you have to use it, but um, and it'll expire if you don't use it. I actually just just upped mine like three months ago because if yeah, I wouldn't have, I would have lost the benefit update rider. So going to have to keep making more money if you want to increase it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's Even the gear. You, you got to report it every three years is I think what it is basically. And if you're making less, oh. then they'll drop your benefit. Oh, okay. So they just, you just have to keep them in the loop. That makes sense. Yep. yep. So in my case, hopefully, we'll just hope that it keeps going up and that it'll be that way, but we'll, we'll sure. see. Um, you both. With COVID, I mean, we're seeing a lot less patients. So, you know, some people might be landing in a weird benefit update period, honestly. Yeah, um, no, that's true. So yeah, that's, that's one of the best people say like, uh, you know, get it early so you can lock in lower rates. It's kind of true, but it's mostly that you're locking in your health. Exactly. Uh, and healthier you locking in your age and health. Yeah, healthier you gets a lower rate, kind of. But mostly you just lock in your health so you don't get any exclusions and you can put your income, you know, to the moon as you really grow your income. So then yeah, and that's what we talk about with disability insurance is that, yeah, you know, they talk about or if I am ever doing a workshop and I'm talking about the concept of disability insurance, they say, oh, well, um, we actually have some here at the at work. And I say, yeah, I know yes. you do. But that's kind of irrelevant because, A, you're going to lose it as soon as you leave here and go into practice or go to fellowship. And, yeah. B, 
we're getting you this disability insurance policy. And what I typically, what we typically do with financial MD is try to find the lowest disability insurance benefit just to save a few bucks, but still Mm -hmm. making sure it's, you know, fully robust and things. So low benefit, but making sure what's important is that future increase, that benefit update, because Mm -hmm. the whole point is locking in your good health now so that you're kind of saying, okay, great. Now I feel better that whatever happens uh, from here on out, if my health changes or something changes in my records or whatever, um, I still have that maximum potential increase I can go up to. So, for example, principles right now is like 25000 a month, a monthly benefit, that if you got a small, say, a couple thousand dollar a month benefit right now as a resident, and you're good, you got that in place, you know that when you go into practice, if your income justifies it, no matter what happens in your health, you could get diagnosed with diabetes, you could get a shoulder injury, you could get a neck injury, like all this stuff, and they'll still, when you go into practice and show them your contract or your pay stub, they'll still increase it, whatever you need. They can't look at your health anymore. So I, I definitely think that's the biggest one, and I got to hit this concept over and over again, that that's why we're looking at disability insurance as a resident. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you can just get... Protecting your income now. Right. Yep. I mean, you, you do protect your resident income, which heaven forbid yeah. something happened. You, you would still be glad you did that. You're not going to be mad you had it, right? You're not going to be mad you had it. But um, yeah, it's, I think I was paying like uh, 90 to 100 bucks a month during residency uh, mm-hmm. for a low, you know, for the coverage of my resident um, yep. salary, which is like 4000 yeah. per month. And well, which is, you were you know, overinsured technically because between that and your group benefit they gave you at Beaumont, you probably would have collected on fifty five hundred bucks a month anyway. You're probably right. So that's what that they do, been, and that's what's different is uh, insurance companies. Yeah, you're totally are right. The only profession well they they'll give you more than you make. They'll insure you for more than you make because they know you're good for it in the future. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I had a fellow that was making, you know, sixty five, seventy thousand, and mm-hmm. Guardian was able to give him a. He could go up to seventy five hundred dollar monthly benefit as a fellow. Yeah, and he did, and I was like, dude, you don't, like, you don't have to take that. That's pretty expensive. He's like, no, I want to. It's like, okay, that's fine. But it was like three hundred and something bucks a month. That's but a lot. I, wow. I know. But some people just figure they kind of understand uh, chaos theory and statistics and just say, okay, but if something happens before I even go into practice, I'm going to want to be making a yep. decent amount and not have to worry about finances because, shoot, I put in all this time in education. I want to yep. get something for it. I get it. Yeah, that little little bit of monthly payment is... is um a very nice safety net. I'm glad I have it. After just updating it, I was like, okay, feel a little better. You know, it's, I think it's gotta be a little bit similar to what it feels like to pay off your student loans or like sure. your home or your car. And it's just, you just breathe a little bit of, you know, just, just a sigh yeah. of relief. Like, okay. Like even if I get hurt, you know, I don't have kids yet, but when I do like, 
I have that policy and there's no exclusions and like they will be provided for. It's just like a good feeling like, oh, I don't have to worry about something happens. Just like when you get life insurance, you're like, you know, if you do have dependents and you have that in place, you're just like, okay, like, you know, God forbid something happened, but like at least, you know, I would know that they're taken care of, you know, even if I didn't know something was coming for me, I would know that they were okay. It's just the, it's getting over that hump of the avoidance of worst Mm -hmm. case scenario. People are like, I don't want to think about it. And that's what prevents a lot of people from looking into it. You know, as a financial planner, yeah, we want to talk about the optimistic future and, and growing towards your financial goals and doing that stuff. But, I'm yeah. doing our clients a disservice if I'm not saying, okay, but what if that doesn't happen? And what if something bad happens? How do we make sure these financial goals still happen for you and or your family if you're not around anymore? And yep. you only have to talk about it once, you know, and then then you're good. But uh okay, so your experience with Set for Life was pretty good. Um yeah. They got me the policy, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. the goal. Um, I'd say like definitely the most important thing for any resident or medical student is just get the policy. If you, if you don't really want to spend the money on it, get the cheapest, lowest price you can with a good company. So don't skimp on the company, just skimp on the coverage. Um, and then some of them have promotional prices for medical students, uh, mm-hmm. and they'll have like just really low monthly payments, which I mean, you're already paying for student loans, you know, it's going to be cheaper <laughs> than any book. It's going to be cheaper than a stethoscope, uh, study materials, stuff you buy on Amazon. Like it's cheaper than all of that stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. easily. It's the cheapest thing and, and you'll lock in your health. So the number one thing is just get it. Just, just yeah. get it like today, tomorrow, like this week, if you don't have it, just get it. Um, so what do you think are the top? Yeah. yeah. No, that's where I was going to go. Think about good companies. Yeah. yeah that's what yeah. I was going to go towards. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a makes pretty a good, good insurance company. Good question. Yeah. I mean, there's a few things. I'd I would say, say financial strength. Okay. Yeah. Stability. Like, I guess we can kind of shortcut the process and say, if you really wanted to look it up, um, or ask the insurance companies, what is their rating through a company called AM Best? That's a company that rates insurance companies. And they give, you know, the A's, A plus, B, B plus, B minus, all those kind of things. So when you're comparing, that's something to look at. And I wouldn't say go with the top rated company per se. I would just say make sure that the company or companies you're looking at all have decent ratings. And by decent, I want to say uh, B plus or better, maybe a minus or better. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so if we take, for example, what would be, I'll give you, we kind of look at six different companies. If we're getting disability insurance for our residents here at financial MD, we'll typically look at six different companies, uh, principal guardian standard, Ohio national mass mutual, and Emeritus, I would say, are the top six as far as what, how did we pick those companies? You know, financial strength and stability for sure. Obviously, all these companies have been around for 100 years plus in some way, shape, or form. So they're 
very strong in that sense. They're profitable. They're, you know, all that kind of stuff. They've got a, just a ton of insurance on the books in the, the billions. Um, but what also we're looking at is secondly, do they have a good product for physicians? And a lot of that kind of boils down to the definition of disability. When it comes to that true own occupation concept, how do you know it's got true own occupation? <clears throat> and even between all those different companies. So those six companies we know have a pretty good product, a good language for disability of true own occupation. But even between those, there would be some that I might steer one way or another based on. Um, take Guardian, for example. Guardian is probably the more expensive, but they've got very generous uh, languages in their definition of disability. To mm -hmm. be very specific, to say they've added on, you can basically get a you know physician definition of disability and even a surgeon or a procedurally based specialty kind of definition of disability that says if I derive more than 50% of my income from a particular procedure and I can't do that procedure anymore, Guardian will consider me totally disabled, meaning they'll pay my full benefit if my income is down by half because I can't do a procedure. So I may still work full time 40 hours a week, but right. you know, you tell me if you saw just what did consults or, you know, kind of clinic type mm -hmm. stuff, no surgeries, would that affect a typical ophthalmologist? Yeah. I mean, it would cut your, it would, it would cut your money in half at least. Yep. Half at least for sure, which is exactly what those types of policies are addressing. So that's where it's, if that's a concern to you, you may want to look at something like a guardian. Um, Emeritus has kind of a definition like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but if not, and you're just like, I just want to make sure it's covering me as a physician in my specialty. They're all going to cover your specialty. That's the big thing. I'm saying this is what you trained for. You didn't necessarily get into medicine to be a doctor, although definitely, but specifically I wanted to be a pediatrician or I wanted to be a surgeon or I wanted to be, a, you know, whatever, like that's what you wanted to do. And it just mm -hmm. happens to fall under medicine and doctor. So how do I make sure that if I don't, if I can't do that anymore, I don't have to do something else. And that's where... That's where that comes in. So the good, strong company has a good product, good definition of disability for a physician. Um, you want a company that's got a resident discount, frankly, because that's huge. And the big thing with these discounts is they stick with you for the rest of your career. So you could get it in your last year residency or your first year attending. The monthly benefit's not going to be a whole lot different, but man, what you save over the course of your career by getting it during residency and getting that discount on it is huge. Is it a percent discount usually? Yeah, yeah, 10 to 30%, depending on the okay. company and all those different things. Oh, okay. I'm sure I so, got that. I just don't remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope so. It's... uh Yeah. <laughs> So that's the big thing. It's, you know, like we said, you're locking in your health so that you can increase later. You're locking in that discount. You know, why do you get it young? That discount's big. We've calculated it out before. Um, you know, taking that extra money, not going towards premium, investing it, compound growth, all that kind of stuff. It's in the high, not high, but it's in the six figures of hmm. what you save um, by getting that discount and getting it young. So I think future you is going to be glad you did when you look at how much you're saving. Um, 
what else? So the big riders, I guess, if I were to run through it, yeah, the future increase, yes, the true on occupation for sure. Beyond that, secondarily, I would get a cost of living or an inflation rider. Mm-hmm. So that makes sure if you had to go on claim at 35 and you're on for 30 years until you're 65 and it's a $10,000 monthly benefit, today that's nice, but 10, 20, right. 30 years from now, that's going to be nothing. And that's just the concept of inflation and goods and services going up every year and just that's the way it goes. Right. So you want to make sure your benefit can keep up with that. You know, because if you'd been working, you would have gotten raises and at least cost of living raises each year. And that's, you don't even notice inflation as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a big one you want on. You want a partial or a residual rider. Different companies call it different things. This rider ensures that if you, um, and, and again, different companies kind of have little tweaks in this. Like Guardian will say, if my income drops 15% or more, then I can collect a certain benefit. Some say if it drops 20% or more. But uh, if it's due to a loss of time or income, you can collect a partial benefit, which actually the majority of claims are partial claims. So you want to make sure you have that rider on there. Mm-hmm. Um, catastrophic, that one, I don't necessarily steer people towards that much. If they want it, fine. Um, but it doubles your benefit if you, what is it? Basically, if it's like something pretty catastrophic, like you're, lose an arm or a leg or an eye or a, are not able I to. I think it's, if, it's partially like things. activities of daily living. I think like you can't do a certain number of yeah. activities of daily living. Two it's, of the six of the ADLs or something. I think it's two. Yeah. So like if you can't like feed yourself and you can't shower and then it, you would get like a substantial, substantially larger amount of money per month. Yeah. To cover the cost of basically like it's, it's a nice thing because if something really happened to you and you didn't have family members around or -hmm. somebody who's willing to put all their time into it and they would have to not be working as well. Then if if you don't have that scenario, if you can't self fund that then you can really end up in a, an assisted living facility long-term. Um, that's that's the way some of the, some people I've talked to have viewed it. Um, I had one guy, he and his wife both got um, policies and he uh, ended up just wanting to do catastrophic. That was the thing he wanted the most Um, Mm -hmm. because he wasn't so much concerned about covering his income because uh, he and his wife were both going to do very well in an internal medicine subspecialty. And so... And I thought it was just like a good, really good, like sort of first principles thinking. He was just sort of like, we only need to replace one income. What are the chances both of us get hurt really, really low? So he was really going with the odds. Okay. He was like, but in the unlikely event that I do have something happen, like a stroke, um, the the amount of money that it would cost me to like stay at home and I want to stay at home would be like, it would be too much even for her, like decent salary. Um, that, he felt like that was a thing. Sure. Yeah. He felt like that would really like bankrupt them to a certain degree. And he was trying to like prevent, you know, losing all any sort of wealth that he would build. And he was like, even though the other things are more likely, this is the one that would be more devastating. So he ended up going yeah. with that. So, you know, everybody's different. They're different goals. Um, 
I, and otherwise I just, it's an expensive rider. So usually I don't right. also don't necessarily recommend it and uh, people get sticker shock. But when you think when, when he told me that I was like, okay, you're talking me into mm-hmm. want wishing I had that on mine. You know, I was like, yeah. this makes really good sense. So yeah. um, it's, it's a goals, you know, personal decision on, on what do you want to do with a policy? And the fact that it exists at all, it's really cool. I mean, the whole product itself, I got excited about it. just reading about it. You know, when I was taking, when I was studying like the licensing exam stuff, I was just like, this is insane that like, as a society, we've created this product where you can for sure get an income over a lifetime, even if you're injured, because everybody is chipping in and you get a great benefit if you're disabled. And on top of that, uh, it's a whole industry, so it creates jobs. It's one of the, you know, I don't know what percentage it, it, it is, but insurance is one of the big chunks of our GDP. Um, yes. And it provides a great service for not not for everybody. You know, a lot of people are paying in, and they do make a ton of money, those CEOs, those people at the top. I mean, there's a lot of money in the insurance industry. Yeah. Uh, but it's a crazy product. Like, think about how many people on Earth don't have access to it. And then yeah. all you, all we have to do is, like, send some emails, make a couple phone calls, actually take the time and I'm guaranteed income for life. That's insane. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And that's the whole point of insurance and kind of, you know, looking at your whole insurance portfolio as a part mm-hmm. of a financial plan, because what I want to do is I want to increase the likelihood of my clients reaching their financial goals, no matter what happens. Right. So, homeowner's insurance, car insurance, health insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, you know, long-term care insurance, like all these things are there that it's like, if you stand back and look at your portfolio, you should be like, yeah, okay. There's really not anything I can think of that would uh, take me off track from my financial goals long-term. And that's a really great feeling Yeah, because we've all run into people in our work or in our different circles where it's like, man, what happened to them that they just, can't seem to make ends meet or they just like did something happen where it just set them back permanently if they've never been able to be the same that's tough like there but for the grace of god go i right like it's are we all just kind of one situation or circumstance away from being like i just i'm never gonna be the same again financially and insurance says as crappy of a concept as it is thinking I'm paying for something that I hope I never have to use. Um, mm-hmm. But it's your, I guess you're paying for that peace of mind. You know, you and I, obviously we know this stuff. We go to bed at night knowing that like, no matter what happens or how I wake up in the morning or what happens on my way to work, uh, we'll be okay financially. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's worth a lot to, to me and to you, I know, and yeah, um, why we stress on this for physicians and residents specifically is because you spend a lot of time and money to yeah to practice medicine and do your calling and all that stuff for sure, but to make a decent living too. And I hate for that all to change just because. Oh crap! I went into the doctor and got diagnosed with whatever, and my future mm-hmm. looks totally different. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff, and uh, doctors can certainly afford it. 
I mean, that's the other thing is there's, there's really no excuse for not having it. Um, it's not yeah, crazy expensive. The last piece. It's we typically, when people ask, I say it's, you know, one and a half to two and a half percent of your income is typically what mm-hmm. we say you should budget for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it can be less, it can be less. My mine somehow is, is less than that. And I've got good coverage. Yeah. Um, that's because I'm healthy and, uh, and I have just one policy, you know, we didn't talk too much about that, but, um, yeah, I guess I'll mention, like, I really like the strategy of having two companies just in case one folds, it's diversifying yeah. risk. They're not going to fold, but, um, cause another company. So what happens, I, I heard a good podcast about that, but like the company fails, Technically, the state's supposed to have some money set aside. I'm sure every state is basically bankrupt right now. Correct. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be <laughs> like, I wouldn't bank on that. But other companies will buy them and they buy those policies and they, you know, so mm-hmm. somebody would absorb that. Probably, uh, probably Warren Buffett or somebody like that would just buy it. I mean, yep. and they could easily support that. There's tons of wealthy people that would just love to snap up an insurance company. So those top ones will be fine, but it's still diversifying risk. And then, only certain companies will play well with each other. So if you have a, a work policy that you can't mm-hmm. take with you, they don't usually like Lincoln or something like that. They yep. won't play well with your principal or your guardian or your standard. They won't, you know, you, you can't combine the two, but if you do like a guardian and a principal or a standard and a guardian, you can combine mm-hmm. two, two policies and uh, potentially have more coverage. But, um, I mean, that's, that's probably the main reason to do it. More coverage yeah. and the risk. It's uh, that more future increased coverage. You know, when we've talked about yeah. doing that with some of the yeah. higher paying specialties, um, yep. like, hey, man, you're going to make half a million dollars one year. And at that point, you're going to come to me and say, I've maxed out this policy. I need to get another one. What if instead of getting a decent one policy in residency, you got a smaller two policies and then you've essentially doubled your maximum benefit potential. And mm-hmm. you don't even have to worry about it anymore. You'll never have to get another policy because, you know, if you're in ortho or um, cardiology or any of those kind of things where it's like you have potential to be in high six figures, maybe a million bucks a year at one point, like mm-hmm. you're going to, it's not that far-fetched. So, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that's surprising about having two is it's not any more expensive than having one other than um, mm-hmm. if one policy just happens to be more expensive. So you can yep. cover yourself a thousand with guardian and a thousand with principal. And mm-hmm. it would be about the same as 2000 with, with principal, maybe a little bit more, or it'd be a little bit less than 2000 with guardian. Cause guardian's a little bit more expensive. Right. So you don't really lose in the cost department in the, in the monthly payments. Uh, and then some people have, uh, they don't have to do underwriting for their health because they're fortunate mm-hmm. to be in a residency where the hospital has already set it up and made it so that all the residents automatically are, are insurable. Um, yep. so when you do a big group like that, it kind of dilutes the risk of several people having a disease oh, yeah, in there. Nice. That's so nice. I wish I would, my hospital would have had that in residency. Um, cause then I would just have both. I would have just kept it going. But like, oh, yeah. uh, it seems like standard that does that. What's that? Yeah, I've and I've actually there's been a couple residency programs or hospitals that have I've talked to about that before. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. U of M, Henry Ford, and DMC have one with standard. And it's a yep. guaranteed issue plan. And I don't even think standard will do them anymore for new hospitals, but they've grandfathered in that one. And Interesting. I tell people, because it's guaranteed issue, and I've seen this before where people apply and get declined, um, I'll say yeah. get that first. Yep, 100%. Okay? And then come see us and we can get whatever company you want. You can either keep both or drop that guaranteed issue one, but at least you know you've got coverage. You've got because one. I had a, I had an right. AR resident last summer that shocking because she said she was fine. She seemed fine. Like nothing. She applied with principal and she applied with guardian and they both or no mass mutual and principal and they both declined her and she was, she was surprised. I was surprised. And I, we got a little more information found out. It was just a, it was just a result of multiple little things that she didn't think were a big deal, but I wow. guess she was a type that just went to the doctor for everything and they put everything in her records yeah, and, uh, and we do that as doctors because we see crazy stuff. And so yeah, th- sure. that's locking that in medical school before you get medical student syndrome is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so she's got no coverage today. And she was in Oof. a residency where she could have gotten the guaranteed issue. And now they won't give her that because the only reason they won't give it to you is if you've been denied elsewhere. So right. I, I talked to a friend from that went to Michigan and, uh, and we were chatting about him picking up a policy and he was like, actually, I just, I found out our house officer association, they basically have, mm-hmm. um, uh, a union there, which is really cool. It's yeah. called the house officer association. It was basically a union and they, they, that's how they got it. As somebody like a while ago negotiated that anyways, he was like, I think I can get the standard policy without doing anything. I was like, go get that first and then mm-hmm. apply for a second policy with guardian, which has better, uh, terminology. So then he has the best of both worlds, um, <clears throat> which is great. And he can increase it higher. Um, or he can just drop the standard one later if he wants to, but you can also just keep the standard one really small at like a thousand or a little bit above and just slowly increase it and keep the other one as a big policy. You can kind of like make one have a lot of coverage and one have a little coverage. So it's never really yep. bad to have two, um, and then in case you're wondering, the insurance guy who sells it to you, by doing two policies, now they don't really make that much more money. Um, you'd think that they would make more money, but it's a percentage of, of oh, the, the sale. Of just, yeah. just the first year premiums. And then teeny, teeny, tiny little bits of it after that. Um, I don't know how much it is, but it's, it's not a lot. Uh, nothing Five to get to people rich, maybe. really. Yeah. Five to 10%. Oh, that's actually a little higher than I thought. But, um, yeah, it's not uh, it's not going to make them more money to do two policies. So they're not trying to upsell mm-hmm. you. They're trying to get you more features, more flexibility down the line. If yep. if somebody's suggesting that, I think it's great advice um, mm-hmm. to do that. And you lock in your health with two companies instead of one. So if you end up not liking one, or if you end up disagreeing with the guy who sold you the insurance, at least he gave you options. Yep. So it's great. Agreed. Well, uh, as usual, we've spent a lot of time making a boring topic fairly interesting, I think. and uh, Maybe or, a, or an interesting topic boring, more likely. I know. <laughs> we may have crossed that line. Um, but, yeah, so if this struck something for you guys out there, um, there's places you can go. There are certainly uh, people you can know. You can ask other residents. Um, 
at Financial MD, we've got a team that does disability insurance every day. Um, we're independent, and we'd be more than happy to shop that out for you. But again, we don't really care where you get it as long as you get it and you get it right and you get it now. So um, if you've got questions, shoot us those questions, myself or Trevor, um, and uh, go to the website to find our info. And uh, the Facebook group, if you go to the Financial MD community, that's the place where um, it's physicians only sharing information, sharing ideas, and uh, get just get educated. And if you're working with someone on the disability insurance or life insurance or whatever the case might be, or just financial planning, make sure it's somebody that you like and you trust and you feel like has your best interest in mind. So any other closing thoughts, Dr. Smith? No, that's, that's it. I mean, this, it's one of the most foundational things. It's sort of like the insurance equivalent of an emergency fund. That's Mm -hmm. how I look at it. Just, just get it done and that'll help give you that foundation stability uh, for everything for the future. And once it's there, you're, it's even better than an emergency fund. You just do it. And then it just, uh, you have it forever. So as long as you keep paying, you they'll keep covering you. I like it. All right. Well, with that, have a great night and, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us for another Financial MD show. Be sure to head over to FinancialMD.com to get more in-depth resources on financial tips for physicians. And don't forget to join the Financial MD community group on Facebook, where physicians at all stages of their career gather to share tips and get ideas on achieving true financial success. We'll see you next time. The Financial MD Show is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to invest, is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Be sure to seek financial, legal, or tax professionals when making any financial decisions. Before investing, you should make sure that any investment strategy or investment meets your individual investment needs, goals, and objectives. Financial MD makes no claims or guarantees to individual investment performance. All investing involves the risk of loss as well as the potential for gain.